share something real quick. The Lord's presence is awesome. I have a short sermon I want to share with you guys, and then we'll pray. All right. Everybody give me your best ear. If you could mute everything except this microphone would be good. So there's nothing else getting picked up, any static or anything. All right, this important word tonight is going to be short, so please uh, don't move around just to hear this. But anyway, Lord, I pray for the word tonight. I pray, Lord, that you'll lock us in, get us in tune with you. Lord, I pray that this word will get down into our spirit, that you'll speak through me your words of life. Lord, that you'll get everybody by the awesome power of the Holy Spirit locked in to give you their best ear, full attention, get totally focused. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And as you speak through me, Lord, let it be as living seeds of truth sown into good fertile soil that's watered by your spirit here in this awesome atmosphere of heaven. And that will cause those seeds, Lord, to be deeply planted within the hearts and minds of those that are hearing this. Those seeds will take root and they will grow and begin to bring forth a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains until Jesus comes. Lord, come speak through me. Let everything be accomplished through this sermon. It's your will to be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So there's a scripture in 1 Samuel 12, 23. I'm going to talk just briefly on the importance of prayer. And it says this, moreover, as for me... God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and the right way. But it's interesting that the Bible would say, God forbid that I would sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. And probably most of us have not considered prayerlessness to be sin. All right, and here's another scripture, Matthew 26, verse 41, rather, 26, 41. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he was praying, and he told the disciples to pray with him, but they were growing weary. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus was sweating blood, there was a tremendous amount of spiritual warfare that was going on. I don't think any of us could probably even begin to imagine how intense the spiritual battle really was that was there. I'm sure that the heaviness was unbelievable. So there they were. The disciples were growing weary. They were tired. They were falling asleep on the Lord, which was probably a spiritual oppression, I'm sure. And Jesus kept coming to them saying, well, you know, pray, stay with me, keep watch. But Jesus said this to them. He said, keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, you guys know that your spirit man is willing to serve the Lord because that's where Christ's DNA is in your spirit, but your flesh is weak, right? So Jesus was telling the disciples, and I'm paraphrasing this, he's saying, you have no idea the spiritual battle that you're in right now. And he was telling them, you better pray because... Your spirit man may be willing to serve me, but your flesh is weak. And you know what? They didn't pray. And what do you read about later? You read about Peter denying the Lord. And he didn't do it out of fear. I don't want to go into a big, long thing about it. He really believed that Jesus must not be the Messiah because he's being imprisoned. His mentality of Christ was 
a King David that was going to take over the Romans and lead a revolt, you know, and set Jerusalem free, Israel, you know, the Israeli people free. And so he denied the Lord. All the disciples scattered. And the only one that stayed with Jesus was John. And John was known for his close relationship with the Lord. So Jesus was trying to tell them, your spirit man may be willing to serve me, but your flesh is weak. So what is the determining factor? Your prayer life. I cannot begin to tell you how important it is that you develop a prayer life. I believe, I really believe this. I believe in the days that we're already in, not days we're moving into, days we're in right now, that this can determine some people whether or not they're going to fall away or not. I really believe that. In the Bible, watching had to do with prayer and sleeping had to do with not praying. So in the Bible, when you see symbolism like that, here in a moment, I'll read your scripture. Scripture says, awake, awake. It's talking about beginning to pray. Get out of that slumber and start praying. So people say, well, Pastor Scott, how do you walk in victory? Prayer. See, the way that you're going to overcome your flesh is prayer. The way that you're going to overcome the world is prayer. The way that you're going to overcome the devil is prayer. You've got to develop a personal prayer life with the Lord. And that's something that is a lot bigger than just coming to church. See, there may have been a time years ago where people could just come to church and they can receive from the Lord and that's all they needed spiritually. But those days are over. We're in the, what the Bible calls the last days. And people are going to have to be people of prayer. So those Christians that are praying Christians are powerful and they're strong in the Lord. But Christians that don't pray, they seem to be weak and defeated. They're defeated by giving into their flesh. They're defeated by giving into the worldliness around them. And they're defeated by the enemy because they don't have a strong prayer life. So every day, you've got to be a person that's going to get up and discipline yourself to pray. And I've been surprised how many Christians don't do this. And if you look at their life, they struggle. They, they, they're always coming down for prayer because they're going through spiritual things that they can't handle. The way that you overcome is through prayer. So when you get up, let, let me show you a few more scriptures, and then I'll, I'll finish this because I don't want to be long. But I'm going to read you Matthew 21, the chapter. Just follow this. When they approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent his two disciples. And now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at, Mount, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent his two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me, saying to them, Go into the village opposite. I'm sorry, this is repeating itself here. Let me, okay. Anyway, this thing copied it twice. All right. If anyone says anything to you, you will say to them, the Lord has need of them, and immediately they will send them with you. This took place to fulfill what, the, what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even a colt, the fowl of a beast of burden. Tell the daughter of Zion, and then it says, the disciples went and did just as Jesus instructed them and brought the donkey and the colt and laid their coats on them, and he sat on their coats. 
Most of the crowd spread their coats on the road, and others were cutting branches from trees and spreading them on the road. The crowds going ahead of Jesus and those followed were shouting, Hosanna, son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, who is this? Now notice that they were worshiping Jesus. And the crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out. Now notice this. There was praise and worship. Then Jesus entered the temple and drove out all those buying and selling in the temple, overturned their tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. Remember the scripture, he had the whip. He drove them out of the temple. And he said to them, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you're making it a, a den of thieves. So after he cleaned house, the blind and lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Then after that, the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he had done and the children who were praising him, saying, Hosanna, son of David, and they became indignant. Now, I want you to see this pattern. Jesus comes into the temple. He cleanses the temple. And after he cleanses the temple, then there's a great revival as people came to Jesus and he was healing the sick and delivering them. There was revival that broke out. So also you see that the praise and the worship that took place ticked off the religious crowd. And they began to get offended. Isn't that the way it always is? So I'm just saying this, that prayer, Jesus said this in there. He said, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And what Jesus is saying to us as the temple of the Holy Spirit, he says, my temple will be a house of prayer. And when you make it a house of prayer, then Jesus cleanses your temple. And then great revival can come in your life. In that order. Did everybody catch that? So first, you got to make your life a house of prayer for the Lord. Then Jesus will cleanse your temple. He'll get the junk out of your life. And then great revival will come to your life. The same pattern in the church. The church is also the temple of the Holy Spirit, not just us individually, but corporately. So when we make the church a house of prayer like it's supposed to be, then the Lord will come and he'll clean house, he'll, he'll purge the sin, and then revival will come. So let me give you the last scripture. Our strength as a Christian comes from our fellowship with the Lord. Isaiah 52.1 says, Awake, awake, clothe yourself with strength, O Zion. Clothe yourself in beautiful garments, O Jerusalem. Look at that. Clothe yourself with strength. This is something that honestly nobody can do for you. The Bible says you have to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's something you have to work out with the Lord. But we're living in a time where you're not going to be able to ride somebody else's spirituality. You're not going to be able to ride your wife, your husband, you know, um, your parents, your church, your pastor. You're not going to be able to latch hold of somebody else's spiritual walk with God and just ride that, and that's, that's not going to work anymore. We're living in a time where every person 
is going to have to discipline their flesh to get up and go into a secret place with the Lord and spend time with him. And in that place, that will be the source of your strength. The Bible says, awake, awake. This has to do with pray, pray, awaken. And what does it say? Clothe yourself with strength. Prayer brings great spiritual strength. And we're, we're, you know, we're in a time where we need to be stronger than we've ever been. And so let me say real quickly how to pray. And then I want to put on some worship. We're going to we're going to shut this down and worship and pray. But you guys. First off, you've got to come through the blood. It's the same as the pattern of the tabernacle. And it's the same pattern that we have in church. You've got to spend time getting washed and covered in the blood, whether that's five minutes, 15 minutes, however long it takes you. I recommend that you take communion, but you don't have to do that. But just spend time getting washed and covered in the blood of Jesus. And you're entering God's presence first off through the blood. Then you enter into praise and worship. You know, you can put on a CD if you want to and just begin to praise him and begin to worship him. And that will bring the presence of God. As the Holy Spirit comes in your praise and worship, then you can begin to pray. And you can follow the Lord's Prayer. Just memorize it. It's very simple. First off, our Father, that's coming through the blood. Hallowed be your name. That's praise and worship. So you've already done the first two. You've come through the blood and you've praised and worshiped. So now your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does that mean? We begin to pray God's will in the earth. It's his will that people be saved in your workplace. It's his will people be saved at school. It's his will that America repent of its sins. It's his will that peace be in Israel. And you begin to pray, Lord, your kingdom come will be done. Begin to pray for your family, your lost loved ones. And let the Holy Spirit put things on your heart. Then after you pray about the kingdom coming, then you pray, give us this day our daily bread. That means your needs. Lord, I need to be able to pay this bill. Lord, I need, I need this in my life. And you ask the Lord for it specifically. Then after you pray your needs, then give us our daily bread. Then it's lead us not into temptation. And what that means is, is that what Jesus said earlier, your flesh is weak. So you pray, Lord, give me the grace and the strength to live a holy life today, to be able to live above reproach, to be what you want me to be. And pray for spiritual strength to overcome the devil and to overcome the, the sinful world. Because the world has like a suction to it. It's trying to suck you in to its music and its, and its uh, you know, movies and entertainment and all the lust and all the stuff that's out there. The world is trying to suck you in. And you also have a, a flesh. You have a sinful nature. And so you, as you spend time with the Lord, you're asking, Lord, give me the strength to walk in victory over these things. And because you pray, you will have the strength to do that. But if you don't pray, you're kind of on your own. You see what I'm saying? It's like you're just going out there in your own strength. But when you pray, you have the strength of the Lord. And then the last part of it is, Lord, deliver us from the evil one. That is supernatural protection. You know how many close calls I've had 
how many close calls my family have had. We've never mentioned it, but I believe there's been so many times that the Lord, because I pray every day, delivers from the evil one, Lord. Put a hedge of protection around us. Let your angels be around us. I quote Psalm 91, and I believe that because I do that, and let me give you one quick example. When we were in California, and this is one of a lot of examples I could give you, okay? But we were, when my wife and I were traveling back from California, that morning I was praying in our lodge, and she had gone out. She likes to pray outside, so she went out in the woods and prayed. I was in the cabin. And so I was in there praying, just spend time with the Lord. And when I got, this is, you learn in prayer how to hear the Holy Spirit. You learn that, okay? And as I was praying through the Lord's Prayer and I got to deliver from the evil one, I really felt like I needed to stop there for a moment and pray. And I didn't even share this with my wife. I just forgot about it. But I really spent some time praying about protection. I said, Lord, I just feel this today that you would send angels in front of us. Just clear a safe path. Surround us with a hedge of protection. Angels, keep us safe today. We're under the blood. And I prayed that until I felt a release. And then we gathered up our stuff and we were driving. Here's what happened. While we were driving down the road, there was some really slow person in an RV or something, okay? And so when the opportunity arose for me to pass this person, I was just going around them. And as I was going around them, here's what happened. Some person must have been in front of them and wanted to do a U-turn. I didn't even know that person was there because this RV is rather large and I'm behind it. And it was very safe for me to pass, so I was just going around them, no big deal. But this person in front of the RV goes to, um, to the right and then out of nowhere, as fast as they can, pulled like in front of the RV and coming straight toward me like a head-on collision. So I'll, I'll, I'm locking down my brakes and I pull him back behind the RV while this person that just did this illegal, dangerous U-turn runs off into a ditch. Well, I was totally fine. Nothing happened to me. Nothing happened to the RV. Nothing really even happened to this person other than maybe they picked up a nail or something in their tire. But, I mean, that could have been bad. And I thought back earlier in the day how the Holy Spirit had me stay just a little bit longer that day praying about protection. You see, the Lord had sent an angel in front of us that made sure nothing bad happened there because it really could have been bad. It was something that was so fast. Those type of things happen so fast that you just kind of have a reaction and that's all you have time to do. But the Lord can send angels that will make sure that nothing bad happens. So some of you, I'm telling you, you've got to learn how to have a powerful prayer time and you need to learn it now. You say, well, Pastor Scott, I'm young, so little kids can pray. Anybody can pray. What, whether you're old and in a nursing home or whether you're some little bitty kid in elementary school, you can pray. Uh, you know, if you're a stay-at-home mom, if you have a job, it's like, well, I work long hours. Well, then get up earlier or stay up later. Pr prayer has to be a priority. And I remember back whenever years ago I was working and at this particular job I had to travel. And I was living close to Mesquite, but I was having to travel way down into downtown Dallas. And so it was at least an hour one way. And so I remember having to get up like at 4 in the morning, Monday through Friday, 
and I would pray from about four to six, and then I had to leave, rush out the door, drive, get to my job around 7.30 or something like that, and and then I didn't even get back home till, you know, 6.30, 7 o'clock because of traffic, and it was hard. I mean, by Friday, I was just tired, but I grew spiritually. I was spiritually strong, and I was able to withstand things that came against me. I had a strong prayer life, and the Lord was, was using that to strengthen me. And some of you say, well, my life seems to be kind of hard because I'm working long hours. I'm having to do this, this, and this. What you've got to understand is, is God is using all of that to strengthen your character, to give you discipline. When I was in Bible school, I hated the hours. I would work Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I would have to leave Southwestern out in Waxahachie, who's ever heard of that place, drive all the way to downtown Dallas where I was working, and it was, again, this was a different time in my life, but it was an hour. One way, and I worked 10-hour days. I'd get there, clock in at 7. I'd work all day in a warehouse, all day. So in the summertime, no air conditioning. In the wintertime, no heat. So it was all day, 10 hours straight, and I would clock out at 5 o'clock, drive back to the Bible school, and stay up as late as I could before I fell asleep doing my homework because I had a Monday night class for three hours, and then I had a Tuesday, Thursday, all-day classes. Saturday was the only day I had off, and Sunday I went to church all day. And then I was also serving at the church. So I'm just saying it was very hard, and it was very challenging in my life, but God was disciplining me to learn how to have character, to learn how to get up and, and discipline myself. Friend, you think I like coffee and all? Don't you know that that's when it all started? I mean, I, I, I lived off in the morning. I lived off of some coffee just to get going. But you know what? The Lord really did a work in my life. And I look back on it now. At the time, there was times I hated it because it was so hard. But now looking back on it, I'm thankful because I had a lot of discipline about prayer. And you can ask my wife and daughter. They know. But that to me is the most important part of my day is my prayer time because if I don't pray how am I going to hear from God how am I going to be spiritually strong how am I how am I going to have a fresh anointing on my life what am I supposed to do every time I feel a little dry I've got to drive all the way to some move of God somewhere let's fly to Toronto now or, or down to the Bay Revival because I'm dry it's like give me a break man those things are wonderful, but every day I need a fresh touch from the Lord. You know, I can't live off other people's anointings or revivals. I've got to keep a fresh revival in my life. So if I really feel like if some of you will take this to heart and you'll begin to really seek God about a prayer life and spend time with him, you need to find a place. If you cannot pray you know, for some reason in one location, find a place in your house or find a place you can drive to where you can spend time with the Lord. And that's, trust me when I tell you, that's got to be the most important thing in your life. And out of your personal prayer life, God will begin to speak to you. He'll, you'll begin to learn how to move with the Holy Spirit. And you got to make time for it. So even those that are getting jobs and, and you got different things going on in your life with school, you still got to make time to spend with the Lord no matter what. 
even if that means you got to stay up late at night to do it, make time for it, okay? So what I want to do is I'm going to shut down the recordings, and here in just a moment we're going to spend a little bit of time praying, and then I'll pray for you guys. But I want to, we've already come through the blood of Jesus, and we've done a little bit of praise and worship. And what I 